I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. I'm Mike Morgan and welcome to this week's episode of the Wodecast. Joining me as always, my favorite letter of the alphabet, it's G. What up, Mike? Mike, can I just say something I... real quick? Yeah. Um, I'm going to need your help this uh, episode. I think I'm MMA burnt out or suffering from MMA malaise. There's just something going on with me and MMA, but we're going to get into it. But you might need to reel me in this episode. Just a warning. <laughs> <laughs> really? What, in terms of excitement or in terms of, are we talking like up on the scale or down on the scale? I think down on the scale. I think like the the, wow. the late replacement fights, the mismatches. Like I love mm. fastballs down the middle. I love when some of these fighters get a late replacement and they totally just cream them. I love it. But it's like I've had enough. You know, like I want to see them tested. You know, the prelims were fire last night, but at the same time I was like, eh, like with the whole card. I don't know. I figured when you called, we'd... Really? Yeah, I figured when we called, we worked through it like therapy or some shit, so... <laughs> okay, well, as always, we're going to pick two um, fights each from the prelims. I'm going to zhuzh you up. I'm going to make sure that you're pepped up. I'm going to make sure that you are, you're leaving this podcast with a pep in your step and more enthusiasm for mixed martial arts and yes. UFC and Bellator action. Speaking of Bellator action, one thing I have to say is pretty remiss of me that we didn't actually cover on the last show. And that was when me, you and Kairos and Chisanga all got together. And that was, well, I suppose it was an attempt by Douglas Lima at becoming a two-way <laughs> champion when he took on Gegard Mousasi at Bellator mm -hmm. 250. Now, I just want to like center on that because in terms of uh, material, we've got quite a bit to cover. But for me, I love the fact that, you know, Lima had the guts, Lima had the wherewithal, Lima had the enthusiasm and um, ambition to try and clinch that title, uh, well, another title. But for me, going up against Musasi probably wasn't the way to do it when you looked at the fact that from the opening stanza you know Masasi was able to secure that takedown and that for me was kind of like that the key or the keys to his success because that happened in round one but you could see when um round two started and especially with Lima just destroying Masasi's legs and just basically those leg kicks were I would say his keys to success for me, um, it was kind of a one-sided yeah. well, affair. And I think, you know, the whole unanimous decision. Now, I know, for me, the, the hardest part of mixed martial arts is the judging. Mm -hmm. I would say that was pretty clear-cut. And it was pretty sad to see because I'm an old romantic at heart. I like to see the whole double champ um, in weight divisions. I love to see the whole champ-champ moniker. But I would say that unanimous decision win over Douglas Lima was well and truly deserved and um, that doesn't actually stop the story there when you think about it because he's still got the welterweight strap and if I have read this wrongly, reel me in, but 
surely that sets him up now with MVP, considering how many wins on the trot that MVP has under his belt. But how did you see things? Yeah, um, I, I think I totally agree with you on this. Um, I just think that Musasi was just gave him so many problems that we weren't able to see the Lima that we all know. And yes, the leg kicks were successful for him, but I think he had to worry about being taken down. He had to worry about Musasi's kickboxing. And Musasi was on point that night. You know, like the, he was just so well-rounded, so sharp, and just doing everything right that I think it just literally befuddled Lima, and it just made him hesitant, mm. and therefore we got that unanimous decision, and the judges got it right. We all saw what we saw was that Musasi somewhat dominated him, you know, and kind of confused him, but I don't think it's any loss to Lima at all. It kind of reminded me of like when Max Holloway tried to fight Dustin and he lost. It didn't really mean nothing. He went back down and he was still the champ of his division and the same with Lima. Yeah. And I think this, like you said, Mike, this sets him up for MVP. So I don't think he lost anything and we got a new champ with Masasi and I'm, I'm not upset with it at all. So you don't think I'm speaking out the side of my mouth though when I tried to push my boy MVP no. into the title contention? No, I think it's the right fight to make. I think we all want to see them go mm. at it again. Don't forget um, when they fought, MVP rocked Lima and he was kind of like on stanky legs and kind of shook it off and then yeah. he knocked out MVP, you know? I think mm. it's a formidable match. I think they match up well. And MVP probably thirsty to probably get that back. You just never know. So <laughs> I would watch it is what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely, because the first outing, and that is MVP versus Lima mm-hmm. won, that for me was a really exciting matchup. That for me was a really exciting first round. Obviously, we all know how that actually yeah. ended up, but I, I would, I would, I would pay to see that yeah. again. Definitely. When he shook, when he shook up Lima. With the, I think it was like a one-two mm. and that in-and-out movement and Lima was on stanky legs. I was like, oh, here we got to yep. fight. Here we go. And <laughs> Lima had some, you know, had an answer for that. We all saw what happened, but it's still a good fight to run back, if you ask me. And I think the fans would watch yeah. it. Oh, I, I, I yeah. certainly would. So, fingers crossed, uh, we won't have to wait long for mm. that. But my worry is, how does that actually take place? Because in the background... To go for a tangent, mm-hmm. on Thursday or from Thursday onwards, mm-hmm. the UK enters lockdown. Now yeah, yeah, there are going to yeah, be yeah. travel restrictions. Yeah. There basically is this order that we stay home, we keep safe, we try and protect the National Health Service. So I just wonder how MVP gets out the country for that matchup. Yeah, he probably doesn't, <laughs> to be honest with you. So we'll have to put that on hold. I mean... Mm. I don't know. I, I did hear about your lockdown, and it does complicate things as far as the MMA world. So, And also, you know, Bellator and UFC, you know. So it should be interesting how long this lockdown takes place and what happens with our U.K. fighters with it as well. So that's a good question, Mike. I have no idea. And that's the worry. If we were talking about a government who played things straight down the line, were honest, were open, were transparent... I think we'd be uh, having a different type of conversation right now. But for me, the obfuscation and the way in which, the shady way in which they constantly lie to us, I cannot believe that we're coming out of lockdown on December the 2nd when they promised. I just can't see it being a four-week um, period where we're actually going to be 
coming out of it when they say they will. Yeah, and also, Mike, you also need to blame the people that are not doing the right thing. I'm seeing a lot of people celebrating Halloween here. I see a lot of parties. I see, you know, <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. you can blame the government for handling this in a shoddy way because we, we both can, being that we both have pretty shitty presidents. Or, <laughs> but mm. you also need to blame the people that are not wearing masks, the people that are gathering, the people that are going to gather here in the States for Thanksgiving and, and just spread COVID all over the place. And then people that have a voice and spread not wearing a mask. We'll get into that later with Bryce Mitchell. But it's also just the totality of the circumstances. It's bad leadership. And then you have the dummies that are just mm. not doing the right thing. And therefore, we all yep. go into lockdown, though. You know, like the dummies, the exactly. people, the dummies, you know, they, they don't get to go outside either. Everything's closed. But they're the ones that are also spreading this shit and making things worse. So I, I'm ready for this to be over. But hang in there, Mike. We'll make it at some point. Hmm. Oh, let's let, let's yeah. hope so. Is that is that a dog in the background? I thought we had a cat. Oh, I don't. The, the cat is actually going to investigate. He's, he's headed towards the door. Yeah, something's <laughs> going on in the hallway. <laughs> Well, speaking of investigation, I think that's a nice segue into, well, a slew of fights which we should be investigating now on UFC mm -hmm. Fight Night Hall versus Silver. Now, as usual, I'm going to pick two. You're going to pick two. The one I want to lead with mm -hmm. first is Miles Johns and uh, Kevin um, Navidad. See, I've been practicing that. <laughs> I, I personally thought that was a nice... Um, <sighs> It looked like a nice exchange to start with, but obviously it ended um, in a nice show of class from John after getting the yeah. KO. And the fact that he didn't pile in with shots, because the way in which he almost lifted Kevin Navidad or Navidad off his feet, did you see the way that he almost did a like a somersault? Yeah, it was like his legs wanted to do the stanky leg, but the top half of his body was yeah. like, no, we headed to the floor. We don't have time to dance. Mm. So it was. I've never seen anything like that. It was. It was actually kind of violent to see his body contort like that and hit the ground, and it's shocking. And and. I love the build-up, though, because whilst that was an incredible finish, that left jab that um, Johns kept pumping mm. out and connecting with every single yeah. time, that was a, a sight to behold. And I think, you know, his corner was right to actually really mean, because I'm not sure if you heard, when um, he was actually aware of the power differential between himself and Navidad, and I think it was in um, round two when he went back to his corner he was saying to his coaches look this guy this guy has got nothing for me he's got no power and his his, his corner like rightfully so reeled him in and said ah, ah, you know what don't yeah, get too like cocky that. let's just concentrate on the matter at hand and um just stick That's to the game coaching. plan and stick to the yeah. game plan he yeah he stick to the game plan he did because whilst he was right um, you know, there was no power in it. That was a spectacular finish. It was good to yeah, see. Yeah, because once a coach agrees with a fighter that's feeling himself like that, technique and stuff goes out <laughs> the window. Now they try to land the power yeah. bombs. But I will say this, there was some controversy with that knockout, and I didn't realize it until, of course, MMA Twitter put me on, and they said that Miles really? John held the glove. And if you look closely, he does kind of hold his glove as he gives him that 
punch that that made him twist like that. So go back. I yeah, missed it. I mean, you'll find it on Twitter. There's there's plenty of gifs and 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 the replay. But if you watch closely, he does kind of hold the glove. I'm not mad at it. I'm not one of those people. I guess I'm not I'm not ready to do no justice, no peace. But I did see like social warriors upset about him holding the glove. So when you get a chance, Mike, go back, watch it in slow motion. He does kind of hold the guy's glove. But nonetheless, it's a beautiful. Just so I know, I'm. Go ahead. Yeah, just so I know what I'm looking for. Does he hold the glove as yeah. he's delivering the uppercut yeah. KO? <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, I swear wow. to God, go back and watch it. I didn't notice because that's just not something that mm. my eyes saw when I was watching the knockout. I saw the uppercut and the body turn and then yeah. I screamed. But, you know, MMA Twitter, the, the, it's a beast. It's why we're on there. They uh, Certain people slowed it down, showed it, and, and I did see that. But I'm not up in arms. I'm, a, I'm a, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being biased or whatever. I enjoyed the knockout and Miles John put on a wonderful performance. And I also liked his post-fight speech. He was a gentleman. He gave the guy a mm. shout out. He shouted out his children. He was just, you know, there was no anti-mask. There was no Trump. There was no anything political. It was just, it was just the guy congratulated his his partner, talked about his family, and he was really really nice. And I really liked that. It was refreshing. Yeah. So I, I let the glove yeah. holding go. It was nice. For me, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're up next. What float? What float well, your boat? Well, we have to talk about Adrian Yanez versus um, some Alaskan guy named Victor Rodriguez. And um, I had no idea who Victor Rodriguez <laughs> was. And I didn't know anything. But I do know a little something about Adrian Yanez. And what I do know is that he's a contender mm. series pup that doesn't fight like an amateur making his way through the UFC. His journey is through the contender series, but this kid can fight, and he fights like a savvy vet. Okay? He even fights with confidence and swag. Like, I like his movement and stuff, and he's he's just dope, Mike. But from a technical standpoint, I love how he used his range to dismantle his Alaskan opponent, striking-wise. I feel like he figured out the proper range quickly, and he kept his strikes at the end of his punches and kicks. And thus, that's what we saw. Like, he, he just straight up kicked the guy with his toes with his face, and the fight was over. And then, you know... He, he just clobbered the guy and lands with a flush kick. It was a beautiful performance. But I will say that mm-hmm. although it was a beautiful performance, this is what I'm kind of like suffering from, the malaise I was talking about. I want to see fighters tested. And I find that in this COVID era, we're getting a lot of no-name Victor Rodriguez type of guys. And these guys are just smoking them left and right. Is it a treat to see? Yes. But I'm getting a bit exhausted of these like mismatches or like these no name opponents. And then and I even went and I looked up Victor Rodriguez and yo, like who is this guy? He's five and three now. And um his mm-hmm. <laughs> he fought in the Alaska Fighting Championships and then before that he fought in the Power Plant Productions. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Do you see With Homer Yeah, Simpson. like what were you fighting? Homer and the, the cast of the Simpsons? Like who are these people? <laughs> and then, This is why when we watch them fight, like, you know, people that have been in the LFA or the Contender Series is why we're seeing them get obliterated. And I'm exhausted. You know what I mean? Like, I love the destruction Mm. that I'm seeing. But don't forget that we're purists, especially me and you, Mike. We want to see these guys tested. We want to see the best, not just them creaming people that fought at the, what, power plant productions, man. Come on. It's, It's getting to be a bit much. Every fight we're seeing this, and I'm like... 
All right now, come on, and we'll talk about this again when we discuss Kevin Holland and Sideshow Bob, you know, like... Well, he brought it up, didn't he? Yes. I think even the fighters Mm. are exhausted of these late replacement, you know, no-name guys that they're just obliterating, you know? Mm. I'm I'm Mm. exhausted. And and that's that's just it. If you notice, right, and we are talking about this more than often, or more often than not, I'll tell you why. How many times have we said, oh, I didn't expect that car to turn out like that. There were subs and there were KOs. That's because that's the way that this card has been constructed so that we get yeah. those finishes. So we get those spectacular chaos. So we get those um, submissions. I'll tell you what it li- it's likened to. Anybody who's from the UK who's mm-hmm. listening to this will, will know what I'm talking about here. Love him. Don't hate him. Got a lot of time for him. But Dave O'Donnell is a legendary figure really? in UK mixed martial arts. This is what he was known for. His outfit, Ultimate Challenge. Um, a lot of people obviously know mm-hmm. about his previous incarnation in terms of uh, organization Cage Rage. That was his bread and butter. Putting together squash matches, mismatches, so that the entertainment you get thing, a yeah. result that leaves people... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Leaves people climbing for more week in or month in, month out. He put on these sort of matchups because he loved the knockout. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. This is what UFC is doing. And and listen, if you're a fan of the UFC or MMA, you do love the blood sport aspect of this. I was just talking Mm. about a man's body being contorted. Like we enjoy the violence, but as a purist, as a fan of fighting and martial arts. I want to see them tested as well. I want to see fighters bring out the best in people. I just don't want to see sometimes people just get yeah. obliterated. And I find that it's happening quite often and feeding into this malaise that I'm talking to you about. Because, you know, Mike, mm. the next day when we get up and do our research, we'd be like, who the fuck are these people? That's why that shit happened. <laughs> and it's happening every week. Matter of mm. fact, Mike, let me roll right into another example yeah. of this. <laughs> Perfect segue. Um, let me see. Gr- um, Chris Gritzmacher versus Alex Hernandez. Initially, when they announced this, yeah. I was like, mismatch. I knew right away. When I saw it pop up in my Twitter timeline, mm. I was like, wow, this is a mismatch. Why? With all due respect to Chris Gritzmacher, I've always thought he was a regional circuit type of fighter that got a big break on Tough and made his way through the UFC. Mm-hmm. But I've never been impressed with him. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be... I'm not being negative. It's just real talk. I find him to be slow, unathletic, and his skills are also very rudimentary. He's tough, heavy hands. That's it. But his hands are always low. His chin Mm. stays Mm. up. He's flat-footed. No head movement. And... And his last fight that he looked really good in, he was he fought an aging and and needed to retire Joe Lozon. So I don't really think very much of him, and I could see him on the cir- on the regional circuit. So when I heard he was fighting Alex Hernandez, I was like, holy shit, he's going to get beat up. Yeah. But what I didn't see was that Alex wasn't <laughs> going to fight meticulously as cautious as he does, and I didn't expect him to once again obliterate him. Mm. Boy, was I wrong. Alex Hernandez quickly went out there and put on a fucking clinic, okay? I can't even describe to you what I saw. It was just a straight-up clinic. The kicks, the punches, um, the range he was able to find so quickly. And then finally, Mike, he just beat the poor kid up standing. He clobbered the kid's face over and over again until the referee couldn't take it no more. And in my mind, I'm like, again? Yeah. 
mismatch again just giving a, you know a fighter just anybody to beat up so that we're entertained and I'm like enough but Alex Hernandez needed this win I don't know about you Mike but he's probably one of the most unpopular fighters on my timeline and fans needed to see him smoke somebody and I'm happy he got that confidence boost and I'm happy the fans <laughs> were able to see why people should tune in and see him again because he you know fans don't like him so kudos to him for the performance but you mm, know what i'm mm. talking to mike about mike again Ooh. I, I i do and it is it is difficult to um say anything positive when it's quite obvious that what we're looking at and that the theme of the prelims i mean don't get me wrong i, I you mm-hmm. said it i'm going to reiterate it I love a good KO. I love a good bomb banner, just like the the next man. But when yes. you have obvious mismatches, it's uh, kind of telling after a while. I wouldn't have put this down as a mismatch, and that was Jack Marshman versus Sean Strickland. That was the mm-hmm. other um, prelim that I wanted to highlight. But we're talking different calibers here. Jack Marshman is a workmanlike performer. He strides forward, but he always takes damage. So why would you put him in with someone like Sean Strickland who would light him up? I mean, even Sean Strickland had like, why to are you standing? ask, like, yeah. mid-round, like, what the why fuck? won't you I'm fall? Tired. Yeah. yeah. Why are Sean you Strickland was conscious? literally tired of beating him up. Like, he was just like, I'd like to go home now. Like, can you lay down? Mm. Shit. And I don't blame him. And big up to Sean for what a performance. I think he's had a, um, a hell of a layover. He had yeah. over in Rust. And he... Can- yeah, no ring rust. He came months. out there and fought like he's been fighting, you know, like he didn't take 15 months off. I really liked his performance. I love no fans. I'm tired of people complaining about no fans. Did you hear all that shit talk we could we were privy to? So much fun. Yeah, well, you see, I, I loved it. But like I say, there is no one that can tell me that that wasn't constructed, that wasn't actually yeah. put together, that wasn't actually a match made just so that we saw what we saw last night because actually I made a mistake it was Jack who was out for 15 months now you oh, think it was that Jack. long layoff they're kind of like easing back no Ooh. yeah no they chucked him in with Sean Strickland now the thing for me is that with Jack Marshman mm. you never know what you're gonna get it's a little bit like Forrest Gump and the box of chocolates because with his workman style he'll either get put on his back or you know, he'll march you down like he was doing yesterday. And I think that Sean and the rest of us were kind of surprised that he was still standing. But yeah, I love the fight too. Love the fight. You know, he does have a workerman type of mentality, but he made the fight fun. He wouldn't stop coming and he wouldn't lay down on the floor like Sean had asked him to. So I like the toughness and the grittiness and the fight to me was kind of fun. And I like to hear the banter back and forth. I enjoy mm. the shit talking and the no fans. So I like this fight, but I'm 100% on with you. I'm a little burnt out with the lack of competitiveness in some of these cards. You know, I'm I'm getting a little burnt out with the with the fastball down the middle and just kind of the UFC making these very entertaining slobber knocker knockout fights. They're fun, but ease up, Dana, ease mm. up. Like give us some competition too. Put it this way though, um, you and mm. I need to take a very long look at ourselves then because you know me. I love mm-hmm. the entertainment aspect and I lean towards the entertainment aspect. You're, if you don't mind me saying, if with the greatest respect. You are mm-hmm. a purist. You love yeah. things in their proper order and you are mm-hmm. into the competitive nature of the sport. Structure, yeah. Me, 
I just want to see a full-on bomb burner war which ends but, in a vicious KO or a submission. But even you are getting yeah. a little bit tired. You yes. know what I mean? Like the yeah. like, it's normal for me to be like, Mike, I'm burnt out mm. with all this violence. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want to see comp. I want. I seriously, I'm the fan that just wants to know who was the best in every fucking division. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. And I don't care if it's boring Leon Edwards and he's the best mm. or if it's Usman that is just someone that is a wrestler and it's not tantalizing to the eye. I don't care. I'm the person that needs to know who's the best and I want to see their best. So it's very hard for me to see like the guy from Alaska get smoked and then and then the next fight Chris is getting smoked. It's kind of like, are we being played here, Dana? Yeah. Are you yeah. feeding into the entertainment aspect? And then to hear you who likes the entertainment aspect to be like, yeah, it's a bit much. Yeah. You got a problem here, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. You know, I looked at yesterday's card whilst I was pleased. It's making me, you know, think. Dizzy. I, 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 am I? Okay, I wouldn't go as far as to say just like yourself, uh, burnt out. But do I want to see this week in, week out? Is that yeah. the type of thing that is going to really keep and, and me entertained? Then, and Mike, we're going to be talking like this the whole damn fight. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I didn't, the Greg Hardy fight wasn't that competitive. Kevin Holland destroyed Sideshow Bob. You know, like, it was, we'll get into it. We, I won't um, destroy the thunder or, you know, be premature with it. But, I mean, it was the theme of last night to me. It was just yeah. like, oh, God, here we go. Uh, but, yeah. again, to be fair, it's been the theme, mm-hmm. as I say, for the longest while. And, um, you know, oh, yeah. that, that kind of, like, neatly segues in, <clears throat> excuse me, to the... Uh, main card, Bobby Green versus Thiago uh, Moissens. Great fight. Now, mm-hmm. you say great fight. Did you expect Now, it? this is what I'm talking about. Did you expect <laughs> it to end like this? He took Green to decision after a serious back and forth clash of styles. Did you think it would end up like this? No, and that's why I enjoyed this fight. It was competitive. Yeah. You understand? Like, mm-hmm. I was not expecting Tiago Moses to come out with that fight swag, with that confidence, and for him to be like, I'm not playing with this guy. I'm going to take Bobby Green shine. I will admit that I thought Tiago won the fight, but I do need to rewatch that fight again. My mind might change. I do mm-hmm. see there's some controversy. I did see some of my followers say that Bobby Green won and some others are saying Tiago won. Just watching the fight once, one time and live, I thought Tiago did enough to win. Yeah. I did. But I like the competitive nature of this fight. <laughs> I like that they had a back and forth fight and it was difficult to score and that Tiago brought the thunder. And mm-hmm. Bobby Green is really good right now. So the fact that Tiago could keep up with him in this momentum that Bobby Green is on, I was impressed and I really, really enjoyed this fight. Did you like it? I did. Uh, and I like the mm-hmm. competitive nature. You're right. And um, it, it did actually make me feel, okay, maybe we are actually going from this um, fight forward to see some more surprises. But yeah. <laughs> Kevin Holland and um, Charlie Ontiveros, or as, as you like to call, call him, Sideshow Bob, um, changed all that. <laughs> and he underlined what you said earlier. Look, Give me somebody who is more of a name. Give me someone who is going to stretch me and give me someone who is going to make this a competition. Because having landed badly from that, that was kind of a weird end anyway. And him needing to be stretched off. I mean, we subsequently found out that 
it it it, it was his neck that was injured and um, thankfully you know he had no loss of feelings uh, in any part of his body so yeah, he obviously God. wasn't paralyzed but probably like a pinched nerve or something like that but yeah that's what I think too but it was kind of like ooh man where are we going it with was this? a scary moment yeah mm. it was a scary moment for me because you know once I heard <clears throat> the neck. And also, shout out to the referee that handled this like a G. Yeah. Notice right away the referee was like, don't move, call the medic. And then from there, because, you know, the camera turned away, but from what I'm hearing, they put him immediately in a neck brace and got him the stretcher. And the referee made sure that he was not to move because once you hear neck injury, you can't move people. So I like that they handled this professionally, but I just wasn't happy to see Kevin Holland not you know, a, a force like that, a fighter like that, not to be challenged. Remember when he fought Darren Stewart? Now yeah. that's a fight. Yeah. That's a motherfucking fight. This mm. was this was my older brother clobbering me when we were children. Like this, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, it's not for me. It's just, it's fun every once in a while. Mm. But I just felt like we just came from the prelims that was like this, and now here's Kevin. And then Kevin does a post-fight speech and is making the same complaints that I'm making. Hey, guys, can I get a name? Yeah. Can I get a challenge? Like, he's too good to just give him scraps. Mm, mm. He's too good. And look what he did with the scraps. He almost broke the kid's neck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Next up, Maurice Green versus Greg Hardy. I'm not going to lie. Going into this, I was really, really hoping that we'd see Maurice Green's arm raised with Greg Hardy laid out on the canvas. And, Mm. you know, for me, I had to kind of like check myself and check my memory banks because first off, you know, Maurice Green took untold shots and was protesting when the fight was being stopped. Mm. And I thought, nah, Herb was actually on point there. That was a good stoppage because yeah. unanswered shots for me always lead to the fight being called off. But it was the kind of gaslighting of Greg Hardy uh, afterwards in the post fight. Um, press conference where he, you know he was. He's That's protesting. why these sirens are on. The police are coming for him. They know we're <laughs> yeah. talking about Greg. Yeah. Hardy. You hear that? You hear that? Yeah. No trouble. <laughs> he he <laughs> was ahead, there Mike. protesting his innocence. Like nothing we've read about, none of the pictures we've seen are <sighs> in circulation. Yeah, I, I I had a question saved up for you about that. I wanted to like discuss that. Um, mm. Real quick before we jump into that, I don't know why you had hope for Maurice Green. I did not. Again, when they picked this, when this fight was announced, I was like, Greg Hardy gonna beat the shit out that man, and that's what we saw. Um, I think again, Maurice Green needs a lot of work, and mm. I just think Greg Hardy, unfortunately, is the better fighter. So I did pick Greg to win, and I'm not surprised he won in the fashion that he did. I had no hope in Maurice Green. Excellent stoppage. I saw Maurice Green complain, and um, Greg Hardy. As much as I can't stand him, if you give him somebody that is not as good as him, he's going to beat the shit out of them. And that's what we're seeing here. So, But as far as his post-fight antics, I don't know what he was thinking. Mm. I mean, all I had to do was Google the poor girl's back that he oh, stomped man. on, and it's right there. Mm. And and then he was found not guilty. That's It, it just doesn't make sense what he's saying. And, and my question to you, Mike, is how come the UFC just doesn't stay away from that? I, if I'm Dana in the UFC, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to work with this guy, but how about we get him not to talk about his past or <laughs> anything? We don't discuss it. That's what I would do. And I find that the UFC is almost trying to vindicate him of his past and and almost talk about his like second chance. It's weird. I would think they would be like, hush, hush about that. Let's just get him to fight. No, from a what PR you- perspective, that is the line that 
Dana, I'm telling you, was pushing because it's It's gaslighting. Forget about what you've read. Forget about the pictures you've seen. I'm innocent. Was I proven guilty? Were any charges upheld against me? So where's the argument? Why are we discussing this? Can we move on? Everybody knows that doesn't mean innocence. Do you know that OJ was not found guilty? (laughs) You know what? You know what I'm saying? Like we all, and then even from my former career, you know how many people that I've arrested and then we went to trial and Mm. we lost the trial because Mm -hmm. of our mistakes or because they had a better attorney than the the new attorney that I had. It doesn't mean you're innocent when the charges are dropped. Mm. We all know this. And especially in a criminal justice system as shady as ours. You know something? If it wasn't for those pictures, I'd be very, very... Um, keen to raise the flag for Greg Hardy and say, yeah, look, yeah. this upstanding black man, but nah, you can't actually erase yeah. from my memory what I have seen. And it, it was horrible. I think he's the perfect example of why, like, second chances kind of sucks. Like, he's the perfect example of, like, he's actually not the guy you give a second chance mm. to. He doesn't seem sorry. He doesn't take accountability for his actions. And he seems to be almost playing into this role of that we don't like him because of his past. Yeah. And to me, that sounds like someone <clears throat> that you don't give a second chance to. And I don't get it. But what can we do? He's here. We're stuck with him. And we wait for the day for someone to obliterate him. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. Mm. Just, just wait. <laughs> Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Feely. What did you make of that? Man, um, wow. I think Bryce Mitchell is a force to be reckoned with. I don't think he has hands whatsoever. I just think, like, his grappling is so good that he can kind of get away with his pot shots and just, like, a a little left hook, and Mm -hmm. that's it. I find his level changing in this fight to be beautiful. I mean, one minute he's, you know, he's doing a double leg takedown, switches to a single leg, then trips the Andre. It was beautiful. He's relentless. His cardio is amazing. And I think it's just good old-fashioned Andre could not get his offense going because he had to worry about Bryce's grappling. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how he won that fight. What'd I mean, you think? yeah, exactly the same. I mean, Mitchell from the get-go um was trying to basically <clears throat> excuse me his efforts were negated by um, Feely's defense to start with. But if you ask yeah. me, the best thing about this fight was his camo shorts. Look, it's what Bryce does, okay. isn't it? He takes you down and usually submits you. And he's got seven takedowns, um, five wins in, well, five wins in a row. So for me, it's like mm, there, there wasn't really anything to see here. Once it got to the ground, you knew where it was going. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know what, for Bryce, I, this was an excellent performance. He's definitely making a name for himself. He's on a, what is it, five-fight win streak, mm. and it's kind of obvious what he's really good at. I say give him someone that he will grapple with him, yeah. Ryan Hall. You know, we if you give him another striker like Andre Feely, I think he's pretty much going to smother them and confuse them the way he did with Andre and Mike. For people that pick fights and, and gamble, never pick someone that has a puncher's chance, even though they can win. Yeah. More than like statistically, the puncher's chance dude is not going to get that chance statistically. So always go with the person that is like that can outgrapple that person mm. or has more tools. And that was Bryce Mitchell. Yep. However, I'd like to see him fight a grappler now. No more puncher's chance. Let's give him Ryan Hall. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The main event. Um, I don't want to keep harping on about this i did mention it in the chat but man i told you so i knew this would be a stinker to start with because you know i just can't 
for the life of me, even through recent performances, get out of my head that we have one of the most gun-shy underperformers in the UFC going up against a total legend. And, you know, for me, this is how it played out. It's exactly as I predicted, and that was, it was a horrible fight. It was a horrible end also for the legendary Anderson Silva, okay? To see him, like, grasping at Herb Dean's legs and, you know, that kind of like, that kind of like, you know, turtling up at the end and, like, with Uriah Hall crying and it sounded like, you know... It, it, it was it's a total a mess and it, it, it yeah. made me feel quite depressed after I finished all of that yeah. I was getting quite teary eyed to be honest with you seeing you know Anderson Silva who for me is a legend going out like that you know what led me kind of like a glimmer of hope <clears throat> for the mm-hmm. future I don't think he's calling it quits he's calling it quits from the he UFC can. for Look two things lost. yeah <laughs> he's calling it quits for two reasons one Dana and he had a tacit agreement that it was going to be his last fight. But he was very clear last night. It's his last fight in the UFC. Doesn't mean that he's not going to be fighting elsewhere. And, you know, mm. Dana is such a... So he, 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 he loves to throw his fighters under the bus. Look at that performance, he was saying. That's why it was his last performance in the UFC. He wants to see a 45-year-old um, performing like that. And... I think Meanwhile, he, Anderson fought well until he got clobbered. What the hell was Dana talking about? His leg ain't broke. Like, it didn't break. It, it. Really? Mike, thought well. Thought well. All the, you, you nailed I it. So. You nailed it in your post. I'm going to steal it from you. Who wants to see a man play patty cake at 45 years old? <laughs> huh? That's what he was doing. He was playing patty cake with Uriah Hall. I still thought he fought well for his age and where he is in the fight. Like, his chin was down. He befuddled Uriah Hall. Notice Uriah Hall. I, you know, this might, not controversy, but this is a hot take. I think it was a combination of fandom and also do not sleep on how good Anderson Silva is. Uriah Hall was cautious, not because he was just a fan of him, but because Anderson Silva is dangerous. Anderson Silva was winning that fight until Uriah Hall figured out to come over the top with that right hand and to start beating him. And it took for him to get in the fourth round for him to get comfortable with Anderson because Anderson is so tricky of a fighter, even at 45 fucking years of age. Like, we have to stop Mm. acting like, you know, he's not good. Everyone, you know, keeps acting like, oh, Anderson, you know, Uriah's going to be a fan of his. No, Anderson is still really good and a tricky fighter. He's very complex and tricky. He can catch you, counter you, and knock you out. Look at the fight he put up with Bisbing. Look at that flying knee at such a late age. Come on, he's dangerous. And I thought he fought well up until he came running at a counter striker with his chin up and all wild. That was horrible. Gee. But... I love you, but you you are being way too nice. Way too nice. Look at the fandom and uh, gushing way in which um, Uriah Hall at the end was basically professing his love for this man. You don't think think Anderson Silva is dangerous? Yeah, come on. I didn't see a dangerous Anderson Silva yesterday. I saw someone who basically was at the end of his career and had no place in that fight. I thought he looked better than usual. You know, I thought he looked better than before Jared Cannonier broke his knee. I thought he just looked, I don't know, he looked sharper. 
some of those kicks and some of those counters he was landing. I like mm. some of that. And I thought he was winning the fight until he got clobbered. So that says a lot. And then he was fighting Uriah Hall. And maybe you're right. He but... was slow. Come on. That wasn't vintage Anderson Silva. That was that was somebody who... He's 45. Yeah, what but that's what I'm then? saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, no one gets it more than me. And that's why, you know, I, I can yeah. recognize in this man that, you know, he basically is in the twilight of his career. And the way in which this uh, kind of panned out underlined that. And it wasn't, it wasn't nice to okay. see. Here's my argument. Mm. Here's my argument. Maybe this is why we don't see eye to eye. I don't agree with what Dana said. Like, Dana went a little overboard. It's like, I should have never let him fight. <laughs> but he's right. It's not like he broke his legs again. No, but whatever. he's like, right. Dana was a bit... Dana's embellishing. Anderson did not... Like, a lot of us woke up this morning. Like, what the fuck is Dana talking about? He, he lost his fight in the fourth round in a fight he was winning. It wasn't the mm. broken kneecap. It wasn't the broken shin. It wasn't... Yeah. You know, when somebody comes out there and murks Anderson, what is Dana talking about? In fact, I think Dana was just kind of manipulating us and also Anderson's future if he wants to leave to Bellator. Of nah. course he has to downplay this performance. He doesn't want Anderson making money outside of the UFC, and he also doesn't want to pay him anymore. I'm not feeling that. I'm feeling for once in his life there was no gaslighting going on. There was facts, oh, wow. pure facts. Dana White was yeah. telling it as it was, straight up no chaser. If it were a case that he were exalting uh, Uriah Hall and complimenting him on his um, his workmanlike performance and the way in which he was uh, patient and uh, yeah. eventually got the win, none of which was actually true in actual fact because his corner was actually saying, you know, words to the effect of, wake up, man. You need to get out yeah. there. You need to get at this. If, yeah. it, if Dana were doing that and then kind of... Um, Talking down Anderson's performance, I could see and I could understand yeah, and I yeah, could yeah, agree yeah. with you. But no, he gunned both men. And he was right to. I literally, and I swear to God this is the truth, I was literally falling asleep midway through that fight. No, the first couple of rounds it was right. When I posted um, the color purple patty cake scene, <laughs> I, did feel, I did feel like these men were playing patty cake. But they were. I did expect this. No, but Mike, you have to understand, both of them are counter strikers. Mm -hmm. These are not men that come forward. Mm -hmm. Anderson comes forward when he thinks that he has a shot at at knocking your head off. And Uriah is a cautious fighter anyway, and he's a counter-striker. So they put two counter-strikers at the main event. I kind of expected that lackluster first round, and that is why, too, that plays into a part of why it took Uriah so hard to open up. He's a counter-striker. Did you expect and that Anderson, lackluster second round? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, come I was on. tweeting so much and so bored with that fight. Yeah, Thank you. I mean, and then and then I was already in a mood because it's like you know I saw Bryce Mitchell stomp out Andre Andre, Andre Feely. Yeah. I, I hated the Greg Hardy fight. Yeah. I you know I was already in a mood. Mm. I was feeling like malaise that I keep talking about. So mm -hmm. I can't say this is one of my favorite cards, but. I thought Dana's words were too harsh. Perhaps we need to discuss this on Shots Fired and get more voices on this, because I don't agree with you at all. I, I think I think Dana needs to come on Shots Fired because, gee, <laughs> gee, really and truly, you, you're 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 talking like Dana. Come on, we both yeah, watched the I'm same thing. You off this week. Yeah, yeah, we both watched the same thing, and you and I cannot sit here and honestly say that that was vintage Anderson Silva, who had yeah. he kept it his. Wasn't. Huh? 
It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> vintage Anderson Silva because he's 45. Mm. I just think that Dana White went overboard with the whole, I should have never let him fight, da-da-da-da-da-da. Even when Anderson got knocked out, it was sad, and he grabbed Dean Herb's legs. But yeah. I've seen worse. I've, we've seen his legs broken in there. Mm. We've seen Chris Weidman just obliterate him before breaking his kneecap. Like, yep. I didn't see that Anderson Silva. That's what I'm saying. So, and Dana was on one last night. He talked. He gaslighted Robert Whitaker. Mm. He, he he said Uriah Hall was extremely gun shy. But meanwhile, I'm thinking, yes, he is. But he's also a counter. You booked this, my man. You booked two counter strikers. <laughs> so, what you expect? So I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, maybe we need more voices on this discussion because I'm not budging, and neither are you. So. <laughs> you know. Mm. Interesting. Uh, okay. Speaking of takes and uh, speaking of points to make, we've got a few um, audience questions. Um, do you want to rattle off a few whilst I uh, get the audio queued up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, um, you know, Aaron Jackson also fighting with myself podcast. He uh, sent me a tweet. He said, what are y'all thoughts on Bryce Mitchell's post-fight press conference advocating for not wearing masks mm. in his home state of Arkansas? Personally, I think that this shit is for the birds, and I would love to hear you and Michael's take. You go first, Mike. You're, you're currently in lockdown. What do you think of this? I think anything that gives us more of a, a chance of survival, I think anything that safeguards our health and well-being, I think anything that ensures that we'll come out of lockdown sooner rather than later is something that we need to be taking on board. Now, Whilst in his personal circumference, uh, that may not be the way forward. Why try and foist his opinion or actually publicize um, what I think is necessarily uh, a negligent take on it, to be honest with you, mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of um, safeguarding everybody around you? Why foist that on, you know, a, a, a captive audience? I don't think that was the right move, but I do admire his, um, well, his exercising of freedom of speech. Because one thing I'm getting really kind of um, mindful of is where we have naysayers, where we have detractors, where we have people who have an alternative view, we're quite ready to cancel them. We're quite ready to shut them down. We're quite ready to silence them. And especially yeah. in this day and age where communication for me is happening on so many different platforms, I think that's something that we should be encouraging instead of shutting it down. I agree. And it, it's, it's difficult for me because I did lose someone very close to COVID-19, you know, so to hear somebody advocate something like that really messes up my grieving and it pisses me off. Yeah. Because it's like if, if whoever had worn a mask around the person that I love dearly that died from this, this person might be alive. So to hear someone say the exact opposite of that just burns me up. But however, Mike, you know how I feel about freedom of speech yeah. and freedom of press. Exactly. He has every right to get up there and discuss that. I just don't agree with it. And I just wish people and people like Bryce were just smarter I just wish they listened to the scientists instead of worrying about their damn freedoms. And I wish they cared more about their fellow man, you know, than 
a fucking mask. Think about the people at home that are grieving because someone didn't wear a mask and Mm. now someone they love very much is dead. Think about the compromised immune systems and all the elderly people that these kids, if they don't wear masks at school and come home and kill, think about the people left behind that are hurting or the people that whose lives get cut short because they didn't have the immune system for this virus. Exactly. I think Bryce, yes, I think Bryce knows that and just would rather have children not wear masks than to protect loved ones, which is so fucked up and bizarre to me. And all he did was invigorate stupid people. Mm. That's all he did. If you go in the comment section of what he said, people are rooting him on. And I'm just like, oh, my God, stop dividing us. Listen to the science. It's so sad to hear. And unfortunately, until COVID hits their home, they will not take this serious and really think freedom and mask wearing is more important than other people's health. And it's a damn shame. So I, I don't approve of it at all. But we can't stifle people's, you know, freedom, freedom of speech. Freedom. Exactly. Yeah, we can't do it. We exactly. Do it. We're, quick question. Let yeah. me let me slide something in there while we're talking about Bryce. Can we talk about those camo shorts? What did you think of the uh, the UFC promoting this? I, I I just was losing it last night. I just felt like it was just a bunch of stupid people getting together to talk about a piece of clothing that had nothing to do with fighting. I don't understand why he's put his whole identity into shorts and whatnot. I just, I don't understand it. I just feel like when he talks about those camel shorts and the people that like it are just, they look, this is going to sound so foul, but they look like monkeys chasing a red ball. Like, <laughs> are we here are we here to talk about fighting? Like, how come he's not talking about what makes him so good at grappling? How come he's not talking about what he does in the gym? Or how come he's not talking about improving his hands that he does not have? Instead, he wants to force this camo identity on us. Because I that's hate it. stale and I love it. i tell you why I love it. Oh, About differentiating yourself and setting yourself apart from those in the division and having a personalized style where you have a catch-all in terms of a brand and that is Reebok is so vitally important in this day and age. They are struggling to differentiate themselves from each other. So the camo shorts and that being a focus, I thought it was fantastic. You go. Let's not talk about the stayed boring camps. Let's not talk about the stayed boring hands. Let's not talk about styles. Let's talk about camo shorts. Let's talk about cuisine. Let's talk about shoes. Come on, let's do something different, please. It's just getting so samey. Okay. Just remember you said that because <laughs> just remember you said that because you know what fighters do, Mike. They, mm. they are they see one fighter do something yep. and now they're like, let me do it. So next week when somebody talks about their damn camo fucking jock strap <laughs> or their fucking you I'll know purple socks and shit, yeah, you I hope you celebrate the shit and, and I'm gonna watch all the monkeys and the red balls be like, Oh, I like his shorts. <laughs> it's just ridiculous to me. Oh, I can't stand it. But, you know, I'm a purist, like you said. I, I don't give a fuck about his shorts. Yeah. I'm going to just say that right now. <laughs> just to punctuate the uh, the Twitter questions, I've got uh, Todd Rhino from um, one of our, well, our favorite podcasts, and that is um, yeah. Combat Sports with Rhino. Let me there just queue him up, and here's his question. I don't know why it's taking so long to load. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Before uh, we go into Todd Rhino. Todd Rhino uh, is an ex-boxer as well. Um, little known fact, but you didn't know that. Um, yeah, whilst this he's is huge. Still loading. Yeah. We've seen pictures. We've seen pictures of Todd Rhino. 
Hey, Mike and G. It's your big homie Rhino from the Combat Sports with Rhino <laughs> podcast. The the night last night was a lot of ups and downs. I really, really enjoyed the prelims of UFC Vegas 12, and I also enjoyed all the boxing that I got to watch yesterday. Uh, the main card didn't quite live up to expectations, at least on my end. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys a question about next week's UFC card. Nice. One of my favorites of all time, Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky, is fighting the young upstart uh, Tanner Bosser. Uh, out of Canada. I think Tanner has all the tools to be able to win that fight in a lot of, in a multitude of ways, but there's just something about Andre. You can't count him out. How do you guys see next week's fight going between Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky and Tanner Bosser? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Love you guys. Love the show. Talk to you later. Man, I love him. Can, can I jump on this one? Real Go quick? for it. Because I'm just as equally as excited. I actually think Tanner Bosser is like the the younger version of Andre Arlovsky. Like mm. they have that same herky jerky movement that I love so much. Like they don't stay in the same spot, and they just remind me of each other. And with that being said, I think Tanner Bosser is going to uh, destroy Andre Arlovsky. I think it's time for Andre to start maybe thinking about hanging it up. I don't think he's as fast and explosive as he as he was before. I do think he's a smart fighter, but I think eventually Tanner's going to find a home with either like that right hand or he's just going to pummel him like he does his other um, opponents, and I look forward to it. What do you think, Mike? Well, w- w- I'm sure we've been talking about, you know, <laughs> fighters in their twilight years uh, for the longest while now, especially in this episode, and it's mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> pretty patently obvious that, you know, Andre Arlovsky is um, way past best. Now, Talibar said the, the young lion, the, uh, the more agile and uh, the faster version, you're right, almost a carbon copy of Andre Arlovsky is going to mm-hmm. have his hand raised. It's going to be an exciting matchup, but come on. This, for me, is um, the sacrificial lamb that Bosa has been um, chosen to destroy. And, um, well, yeah. it's, it's a nice scalp for him. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think this fight is also gonna be fun. I think, even though I think Andre is like towards the end of his career, yeah. he's still a force to be reckoned with. He's still somebody you got to figure out. Like he's a veteran, and he's and he has fight IQ through the roof, and he's got good coaching. You know, he's very comfortable where he's at, so he's still a threat to Tanner. Tanner's probably not taking this very lightly, but I do see his hand being raised at the end of this, and I'm excited for him. I really am. Mm. You see. You know, we were talking earlier about um, mm-hmm. cards which are constructed and we know what the outcome is going to mm-hmm. be. Are you telling me now, after we've had that long and drawn out conversation, that this isn't going to end up with Arlovsky looking up at the bright lights? Given that, r- remember, remember, <laughs> this is a guy who, not, not actually, it's November of last year that he was um, knocked out by Rosenstruck. Yeah. I mean, Mike, to be honest with you, I'm looking at this card now. That's probably what's going to happen. And I might experience that malaise that I keep talking about. I mean, come on, Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira are going to go at it. I'm pretty sure you're picking Tiago Santos, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, in, in, exactly. Just so, sticking with Arlovsky, in his last six, he's lost four. Come on now. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm picking Tanner. I still think this is an intriguing matchup because Andre is still a dog. Mm. He's, he's, he's got that veteran savviness. No. But I'm telling you, this card, again, is going to have that malaise. Yeah, I agree. But I'm agreeing with you, Mike. <laughs> Even though I'm picking Tanner to win and I'm somewhat excited, it yeah. is kind of that fastball down the middle. Yeah. Line, you know? So I agree with you. But I'm a fan of Andre and I like Tanner, so it's easier for me to kind of ignore the fastball down the middle. Yeah. And I like this little new school versus old school, and they they kind they look alike, they fight alike. So I'm kind of sold on that. And then on top of it, the main event is also a kind of an easy fight to pick again, even though Glover's a dog. Mm. So it's like, yeah, this is this is why I'm like MMA depressed at the moment, you know. <laughs> and, and you know that's why you know I started off the show like, yo, Mike, I'm a little, you know. So we'll see how it goes. Like, you know you what? Know? You know what? I've got a mm-hmm. question to you, and yeah. this is going to pull you out of your melee. Mm-hmm. We are in the midst of a global pandemic. Remember, yeah. we have over, over-saturated our entertainment's mm-hmm. worth and got maximum value for money out of this. Yeah. Not only yeah. that, did you know that we're in the midst of a global pandemic? How many times do I have right. to say the same thing? At the end yeah. of the day, we shouldn't even be looking at these fights. Yeah. And now... I'm going to struggle to say the next bit, but we should be grateful. We should be grateful that not only is it the UFC, we should be grateful that it's Bellator. We should be grateful for all the other promotions who are putting on fights in the middle of a pandemic. Yes, we talk about fastballs, but we are in the middle. Of a pandemic. And how spoiled do I sound? I'm complaining about <laughs> yeah. vicious knockouts and obliterations. You know, like I'm spoiled. I'm a spoiled purist here because, you know, the, these obliterations and these like violent knockouts and, you know, quote unquote mismatches, they are fun to see. I mean, last night that dude, Navitado, looked like he broke his back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like these things are fun to see. And that's why I said, Mike, reel me in and kind of remind me yeah. that this is COVID and there's late replay. Reel me in. Yeah. I'm, I'm becoming spoiled here. And then I'm a snotty purist. Yeah. So you got to take that into consideration. Get out of here so. with your fancy American ways. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know we're terrible. We're so spoiled. We don't even want to wear masks and shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. 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 We got time I needed for a couple, that, though. Yeah. We got time for yeah. a couple more questions. Almost, Def. Um, it's Not Cage Fighting brought up a good point. Breaking news, Mike. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Dana White already said that Izzy Adesanya, Izzy is Adesanya is yeah. going to move up to light heavyweight mm-hmm. to face Polish power John Jan Blakowicz. That's right. Yes. Mm. So we'll keep that in mind. And this is the question: mm. Are and this is from it's not cage fighting. Are are double champs bad for the sport? I personally think they stall divisions, deny worthy contender title shots, and are impossible to operate without making one division dormant those Mm. are very good points Mm. your thoughts mike on double champs i love double champs anything you know me anything that gives someone the edge someone the talking point someone basically an angle that differentiates him from his fellow uh welterweight heavyweight Mm. middleweight i'm all for and this does that this ticks all boxes Adds to the mystique yeah. of, um, especially in Izzy's case, his unbeaten record. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, Mike, it's time for me to be snotty and a purist. Um, <laughs> here we go. <clears throat> yeah, here we go. I don't like him. I liked them at first because mm. it was like new. And when Connor did it, it was like, holy shit, the first time. You know what I mean? Like, whoa. And then like, and then once everybody started chasing it. Yeah. 
I feel like it's cheapened the value. Look wow. at Henry Cejudo. Mm. It's cheapened the value. Look at the shortcut he took to be triple C. Look at the shortcut he took. He he ignored every he ignored every contender and then declared himself the best martial artist ever by not fighting Peter Yan and mm. Aljo. Wow, you know. But he did chase the belts though. Like that's cheap. I don't like it. Also, it holds up divisions. I couldn't that Connor got on my nerves with that holding up the division shit because again, purists like me want to know who's the best in the division. Mm. We start playing these double champ games. We don't get to find out. However, sign me up for this one. I think I want to see this fight. I, it's intriguing at the same time, but I am going to fuss when it holds shit up and whatnot. And then we got to get ready for John Jones to be upset that he's not a part of this equation. So I kind of like that this is going to stir John Jones up and we're going to argue on Shots Fired and online about this. It's <laughs> so much fun. So there is some good and bad with this. But I see where it's not cage fighting is going. It is, it is distracting. Yeah, I will admit that. <laughs> Are we going to have questions? Yeah, I think that's about it. We got a silly question. Someone asked, Steve wants to know how long until Bryce Mitchell becomes the governor of Arkansas and the new <laughs> state flag is camo. <laughs> Fuck you, Steve. I'm not <laughs> can't stand that kid, and hopefully he never becomes governor because that Arkansas will melt with COVID if that's the case. Um, <laughs> But no, I think we got them all down packed. Okay, well, that about wraps up this episode of the Wokecast. We'll be back midweek with the fellas, Chisanga and Kairos Bodley for Shots Fired. Until then, <laughs> make some trouble. Okay.